Yes, people, how are we all doing? I hope we're all doing really well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today, we've got a slightly different guest, one of my good friends, well, one of my mate's friends anyway. We met probably a while ago now, based down in Brighton. He is a trader for day by day and then also plays a little bit of hockey at a decent level. I say a little bit of hockey and a fellow goalkeeper as well. So welcome to the podcast, Luke Appleton. Thank you, mate. And I was going to say, we haven't spoken that long, but since the last time we spoke, a lot's kind of happened in terms of, I know that obviously your hockey career has kind of pushed on a little bit, but also trading. I haven't got a clue about trading. So yeah. I'm one of them dummies. And there's probably people thinking, like listening to this thing, and I don't have a clue about trading either. So you can kind of explain to me what you do on a daily basis as a trader? <laughs> yeah, good question. I mean, um, because I'm mostly in the crypto markets, which are 24-7, my, t- like my schedule is all over the shop because you can be pinged at four o'clock in the morning with alerts literally this morning. And I'm up at I'm up at just past sort of just past four o'clock, and you know you can't really get back to sleep after that. Um, and then I'll be taking some maybe if I'm quite tired, taking some naps in the day for like twenty minutes to try and readjust. Um, but it's not like a traditional, you know, if you're a stock trader, you know, you, you have those times set that the markets are going to be open. The U.S. markets or the U.K. market, should I say, um, open at eight o'clock in the morning. The U.S. markets open at two thirty, so you kind of have like a structured part of your day. For me, even though I do invest into the stock market, but more so that's like long term. I'm not looking to like make gains like like this. Um, and crypto being 24/7, there isn't like a, there isn't like I wake up at this time, I, I I do this at X time. You know, if I can get a lion, brilliant. You know, if I don't if I don't get pinged by an alarm in the in the, in the night, that's brilliant. Um, and then I'll kind of go to bed as early as I can, maybe around ten o'clock, half nine, because generally speaking, I will be woken up quite early for some various reason or another. Yeah, I was gonna say it like because, like I said, I'm an absolute dummy. Can you like very very briefly, firstly explain what trading is? Again, I'll probably yeah, sound like a dummy. There probably is people who are listening because obviously a lot of my guests are fitness or whatever. But just like, briefly explain it. Well, with me, I wouldn't even necessarily call myself a trader. I'd more so call myself like a portfolio manager. And, and the way that I would describe this, if you have like a hedge fund or, or, or any type of fund, really, you know, they're not necessarily, I know I was kind of saying like in and out of the markets, like very quickly, but not always the case. You, you kind of have, um, you, you have your capital, say, say you have a hundred grand, and then you're kind of diversifying that across different areas in the economy, different sectors, and kind of thinking like why you think they're going to kind of perform well. A lot of people think it's like clicking buttons and, and doing this, doing that. Um, my job's not like that. It's research, 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 and then 1% is clicking the button. You know, it, it's, it's having charts up and understanding like, right, if price moves into these directions, what does that kind of mean? Um, and, and when those levels kind of break, it's understanding, right, well, then it's more likely to run up. So maybe I should um, shift some of my capital that's over here and then stick it more so here because that's the better bet at that kind of moment in time. So where people go like, oh, you're a trader, you know, what, what I think of trading and this is a thing is you have these like quant, uh, quant funds, which basically have um, run extremely complex math 
um, algorithms and they're in, in the market very, very quickly. It's all like fiber optics. They're not, they're not human generated. Now that to me is trading because it's very, very dynamic. It's very this and that. Whereas for me, I'd more so call it kind of like portfolio management, long-term kind of investing, still making those trades. Whereas I say, if, if, if I get pinged by an alert, you know, in the, in the night, like I, I did this morning, price has broken level, right? Am I now looking to sell? How are we reacting off that level? And sometimes I don't even, I don't even execute a trade. It's just that I, I've been woken up, that level's been hit. I need to see how price is kind of reacting and if I need to make kind of adjustments to my portfolios and stuff like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. So where do you get most of your research from? Is it like, well, I know we talked yeah, about briefly I, before, I do, it was like Twitter, I, wasn't it? I, I, do, I mean, Twitter, that's maybe certain more so opinions. Bloomberg is my go-to source of news. Um, there, I, I pay a subscription of about thirty pound a month or whatever. They they do a trial for free quid. If you just keep re-signing up and under different emails, you can kind of get away with it for a little bit. Um, but that's kind of my excuse me. Like when I wake up in the morning, the first thing is always how to check the news, understand what's happening in markets, what's moving markets. That's important as well. And then you're kind of and then if you realize that certain areas of the markets are moving, right, for example, in the crypto markets at the moment, things that are performing very, very well are decentralized exchanges. I don't know if you've seen what's happened with GameStop recently. Uh, the stock I heard, about, I heard something yeah mate you update me you can tell yeah they're, they're basically there there was a thing that uh, uh, the, sh the stock was heavily shorted oh this is this is fucking hilarious the stock <laughs> was heavily shorted and uh, what what you mean by a short is you essentially um borrow it to borrow the stock to buy back at a lower price and you make money on the price dropping so it's a bit different to just buying it and looking to go long because you don't necessarily own the stock it's kind of a bit complex but on a very very basic level you make money on it dropping this stock was very very heavily shorted by all of these different hedge funds i think 98 percent of the float was short and these group of redditors saw this and they started pump because if you start moving the stock in the other direction, well, what happens? Because these shorts, they start losing money because the price is going up. They're forced to cover their positions. They have to buy back into the market to just make sure that they don't blow up essentially. And then buying back in causes the stock to rise even faster. So it's kind of mm -hmm. this cascade effect and it's called a short squeeze. And this is the most epic short squeeze basically of all time. And um, the stock went from about $4 up to over 400. I think it even hit 500 in pre-market in the space of a couple of weeks or, or, or about a month. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So it's absolutely insane. And it was all thanks to these Redditors who, um, who, who basically just teamed up against the hedge funds. We were just like, fuck these people. Sorry, I've got a... Uh, error coming up um they'll basically like fuck these people um keep driving the stock up it, it got loads of social media attention so that carried more people started buying driving the stock price up even more but then what happened is the leading brokerage in the u.s called robin hood one's here for us like trading 212 mine's ig mm -hmm. and they even did this later as well but they cancelled out the buy order and only left the sell order for the retail investors which it, it I know, yeah. exactly. I think and, I watched one of your videos on this to be like a TikTok or something. And so I kind of ooh, understand where you're coming from here. Ooh. Yeah, so it's just manipulating the market. In that, yeah, in, in, in that TikTok, I kind of explained it. Like you, you have the professionals and you have the retail. And you know, if you play a game of football, it literally yeah. is the underdogs are winning for the very first time ever. They were crushing the professionals. 
And then at half time, out of nowhere, the ref goes, right, you're not allowed to pass the ball anymore. They can still do all of that. They still had access to being able to buy, sell, all of those different things. And what that did was literally cause the market to crash. And it went from $400 to about 100 in the space of about five minutes. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, but what that allowed them to do, obviously, because they were getting so hammered, they were able to cover their positions, get out of that probably that lower price. Um, but because Robinhood did this, this brokerage, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking hilarious because they're called Robinhood and they literally were robbing the poor to give to the rich because that's essentially what they did. Um, the crypto markets, there's what's called a decentralized exchange. Long-winded, long-winded answer to get there. But um, <laughs> there's what's called decentralized exchanges. And these have been performing very well off the back of this because they don't necessarily have one central point of control. Central point of control being Robin Hood. They have a management team. They said, right, we're shutting this down. With a DEX, you don't have one single point. No one's kind of, there's loads of different people operating it. So you can't just make a decision like that where you shut it down. If that, and it, in a lot of ways, I think it's going to kind of be the future of finance as well. But these um, decentralized exchanges have been performing very, very well of this. So I've been then I, I understand that these are performing well. I'll do my research on various different companies in the space, work out which ones I think are maybe slightly more undervalued compared to the ones that are trading at a slightly higher market caps so do research this way. <clears throat> and then what I'll do is I'll go, all right, what levels are attractive for me to get into these companies if I think they're going to keep on performing well, either on a pullback or, or if they start breaking out, do I think they're going to um, keep, keep moving up? And that's kind of the process of, of how I would go about, you know, uh, my trading. It's not, it's, as I say, people think it's like clicking buttons, you know, I'm stat like, it's not like that. It's a lot of research and a lot of, you know, I have a theory of something doing well. Do I think it's going to continue doing well? Sorry, I keep getting warning flags um, pop no worries, up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's more so I will, I will have a view on the market. Do I think, do I think it's going to continue in this direction? Why do I think DEXs are performing well per se as an example? Do I think they're going to continue performing well into the future? And then it's being able to reshuffle that portfolio in the right way that I'm not all in on it. So if it goes wrong, because you can be wrong, you're not screwed. Mm -hmm. And it's being able to weigh up those risks and kind of make those calculated bets. It's really it's just very calculated betting mm -hmm. is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. Has there ever been any sort of, you know, obviously you don't have to tell you, has there been any moments where there's been big losses? Because I can imagine every trade yeah, has obviously I've lost, had some I've, big losses. I've lost, yeah. I've lost, yeah, I've lost over, well over 10,000 in a day. In a, yeah. I've, How do you bounce back from that? What goes through your like, head after that? That's a lot, lot obviously a lot of money. Well, and you're, you're a young lad as well. Yes, so. Yesterday, yesterday I went for, I, I had a position. So this was off the Elon tweet. I, I got an early. I made in the region of around 15 to 20 K and lost it within a couple of hours from not getting out of the position in time. Mental. Mate, if I had 20 K, 20 K in the bank, I'd be taking it and running. It's pretty, just, it's pretty, it, it, I mean, it is pretty like the, the swings it, like that. That was a worse one. Like that's one of my worst ones. Probably the one of the worst I've had, like in terms of like, you see it there and you see it coming you see it coming back and you know you don't want to get out of the position because nothing's kind of invalidated your trade idea. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 it's hard to take sometimes. Like, it, it's a bitter pill to swallow. I can imagine, man. I, I mean, it's, not, it's like, no, I'm not trying to make out like that's a normal occurrence. Like, that doesn't normally happen. Yeah. It was like, I saw an opportunity when, when in 
harder than I probably should have, did well, thought it was going further, and then you get crushed on the way down. Like I've, so that's kind of one of my worser ones. But there's been times, obviously, where I've I've lost a few grand. I mean, having a large net worth in Bitcoin anyway, which I do do, I've I've had some pretty hefty swings of like my overall net worth thanks to that as well. Yeah, so the more that you have, the more there kind of is to lose it. The more you're putting at stake. So the don't know how you don't know how you do. Is there any days where you kind of think like, nah, you know what? I've this is enough kind of thing. I need to kind of take a bit of time off, or can you really take any time off at all? As a you no, know, you should do. You should do. Um, yesterday, yeah, yeah, like yesterday was the it was an example. Once, um, because I went up, I went down. And like, I was very confident it was going to come back. I even, uh, and but it, it did come back. I thought it was going to go higher, but I was like, I just need to get out. This isn't good for me, like emotionally. If you're ever in, and, and I wouldn't necessarily, rec- if you're in a position where you don't feel comfortable holding it, you shouldn't be in the position. And like, that was a mistake for me yesterday. I went in too hard. I was right. And then I was wrong. Yeah. And, you know, then you have those repercussions of, you know, if you if you make a decision too quickly, then those kind of situations happen. But I, I, I don't know if you know this, but I used to play a very high level of poker. So um, I, the highest I've been is out in Barcelona. I played in the European Poker Tour, which is a 5,300 euro buy-in tournament. Um, so like I'm used to playing high stakes is my, mm-hmm. basically my point. Like I'm used to making money and losing money. I don't necessarily, it doesn't hurt me nearly as much anymore. Cause like, I understand what I'm betting on. Like I understand like there's risk to things. And even if it goes wrong, I know what I could gain from it and it's worth it. And you kind of numbs you over time. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to talk about like, how are you, how did you get into training? How did you get into the port originally? Was it just something like that you've always done with like family and stuff or? How did it, no, how did no, sorry, no, not at all. Um, yeah, well, my dad does wholesale food, so like, my my granddad was farmer who does chicken. So like, this is as far left field from all of that. <laughs> um, um, the the poker, I've always been into like, I've always been good, at, very good at maths and that kind of side of, um, and, and crunching numbers. And I've always enjoyed playing poker since I was about seventeen, eighteen. Where it kind of kicked off, I I I didn't have much money at the time. Um, I, I was playing like a, like $5 tournaments, $1 tournaments um, on PokerStars. And I won this $1 tournament with like 5,000 people in it, like $900, close to a grand. And at that point, I was like 18. I, I had like maybe four or 500 pound in savings. But like that was a lot of money to me, you know, like I now had well over a grand to my name. And I was kind of like, right, like I don't want to lose this money. Um, I then spent, I think about 150 quid on like training sites and like understanding how poker like works. And I, I studied it for, for like hard for about six to eight months. Like that's literally like basically all I did. And then by the time I went to uni, I was I was good at poker. Like I'm, I, I was well above the average person for, for my age by that point. Like I was, I wasn't like nearly amazing, but like I was a winning player you know, the portfolio of my, my poker winnings had maybe gone up to a couple grand by this point. Um, nothing, nothing too serious. And then when I was at uni, I didn't tell anyone, but I played so much online poker. Like Rory had no, no idea. Um, I don't think, I don't think anyone knew because it was kind of like a touchy subject. I didn't want people to like, look at me in a different way. Like, 
because people should see it as gambling, whereas I didn't see it necessarily as gambling because I knew I was playing a winning strategy that was going to net me money over the long long run. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't want people to maybe necessarily look kind of down at me. And when people kind of woke up, like people didn't believe that I was trading. They thought I was just chatting shit after I left uni, like because I did sports science, they were kind of like, yeah, bollocks. And then when I went and played in the 5K Euro Barcelona tournament, like you can't fake that, you know? Yeah. And I think it kind of woke people's eyes up to going, oh, he actually does this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. But, that, but how that opened the door for trading on kind of your second question for that. Um, I, I saw with poker as well, I don't really play anymore. It's more so out of leisure. I, after I won the, I, I ended up winning about 10K out in, uh, or 9,000 something euros, and then a bit more in the cash game. But I went cold turkey basically after that because I realized. I don't really want my life being sat at a poker table, um, stare, stare, I say staring at screens all day. It's kind of what I do anyway now, but um, <laughs> <clears throat> kind of what I do anyway now. Um, but the game was getting harder to beat. You know how I kind of mentioned I signed up to these training sites. Like there's way more of them. People are getting smarter. The game's getting harder. And like the profit profitability margin was was just coming down by the day um so and and also at the same time the fee that you would have to pay to play the game that was going up all the time instead of coming down which it should be realistically so the profit margin w was just getting too much and I, I didn't necessarily it wasn't a trend that i saw changing so that's kind of why i stopped playing um poker in a lot of ways it, it well it did bankroll me um into um the markets as well because what i was doing while i was playing poker um i was i was studying the markets as well because they're very very similar Play, playing poker and yeah, i think you could appreciate it's understanding betting and like expected mm -hmm. value and all of those kind of things um within the poker community um a lot of people were talking about Bitcoin. So I kind of knew what it was prior 17, prior 2017, that big run up that you were talking about before we went live. And I was investing some of those winnings into Bitcoin at the time. Um, just like I didn't necessarily know what I was doing. I just kind of, they were all hyping it up. I kind of saw it as like a, um, I, I just found it very interesting. And I, I fought some, uh, fought some utility to it as well. And by that point, obviously, it starts running up. I'm winning money at poker, made some money there. Um, and by the time that I came to leave university, I did fuck all with my studies. I, got, I ended up getting a third in sports and exercise science. Absolutely hated every single second of it. All I did was play hockey and literally d do poker and trading. Like That's literally all I did. Uh, and go out and just have fun. Um, <laughs> by the time I came to leave university... Finance, I knew I really enjoyed. I was really into Bitcoin by this point. I was really into understanding um, financial markets, how they work, stocks, all, all of this kind of stuff. I got a job in a financial advisors, which um, I worked at for a, a couple of months. I absolutely hated it. I, I was basically their bitch boy for, you know, when you start, if you start a company, you're like right down the bottom. Yeah. And um, I was literally doing all of their, the jobs that I was just doing all the jobs they didn't want to do, like calling up ad, just pure admin. I was kind of like, do I want this to be my life where I, where I sit, I sit in front of a desk, sucking up to my boss for the next 10 years, trying to hope I get a bit of a pay rise and being on 25 grand is kind of the bottom salary until I get up to maybe 50, 55 grand. Have a very, I, I knew that wasn't the life that I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. No, I got what you mean. And um, I, I ended up quitting. I had enough money by that point to kind of go, you know, 
let's give this kind of a, um, a, 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 go, a go myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I should also mention I got a 10,000 um, pound loan, I say, from my grandparents who also helped me back me starting as well. I, I say a loan, they're not going to want that money back. Uh, but <laughs> like, I could pay them back now. But yeah, yeah. it was kind of like a, a, a thing to help me be able to achieve as well. Like I, I probably maybe had 20, 30 grand to my name, but that also helped as well to, you know, put it in the right, uh, put it in the foot in the right direction and then be able to where now, obviously Bitcoin's done very well. The markets have done well um, that I'm in a, a position to do it full time and not have to think about joining, you know, someone else. And then the YouTube stuff, that's more so a way to, to diversify and make as many different income streams coming in as possible and maybe something a bit more stable then yeah yeah i get yeah i'm very interested in terms of like your personality i can tell you've got a very addictive personality do you think you've always kind of had that in terms of like you get into something even when you were young and obviously we'll touch on hockey you started playing hockey but when you were younger was there anything like as soon as you start something you want to be the best and you want to learn everything about it because you've done that with poker uh, trading literally like yeah, you, yeah mate i mean i've i've been the single most competitive person i mean we talk about sports now i used to be a british gymnast when i was younger um and that kind of set me up for um like every single sport that i played i was captain of the rugby captain of the swimming captain of the cricket i was county cricket obviously but hockey as well i was like badminton i literally every single sport i did i, I was like that kid who had to be the best at it but basically um, and that was a part of kind of in large reason why I ended up going to Loughborough as well. Even though I hated the degree, you know, the sport is absolutely insane there. And that's why I knew I wanted to go there as well. Um, whereas now that I've got older, where that kind of passion was like, I have to win on, do this, be the best on that kind of sports field. It still is, but um, it's now like, I want to be the best at making money, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I, I see life as a big game, you know, kind of like as a good quote is like, life's a game, money's how you keep score. That's kind of like how I like to think of it as well. <laughs> I like that. It is crazy. We'll, we'll quickly talk about your hockey because you've played it at a decent level, haven't you? You're playing it in England level because I know a little bit about obviously Rory's mentioned it and we've obviously briefly discussed it. But when was it that that kind of started to take off? Was that just one of them things that you did when you were younger? Not necessarily like I've always wanted to be a hockey player, but you were just good at it and just kind of took on from there. Yeah, so I know, to say that I was going to be a hockey player like now where I don't really play other sports. Sorry, I keep me a drink of water. Don't worry, um, um, yeah, I, I was, I was naturally. Go- so I used to play for Bristol City football, and I was in goal when I was like year seven, year eight. I mean, like in the goals. You, I don't know if you're full size goals then. I think the year that it started going up to full size goals, I was getting too small, and yeah. um, the natural transition was to to hockey, which is much smaller goals. You know, but and and my game was always to you know come out, smother, be agile. And, and hockey is can be catered towards that. Is not necessarily like I'm not going to be screwed by not being able to reach the corners necessarily? Um, I obviously was very good at it, good at it because of um, because of football, because of gymnastics, athleticism. It, it just like tied in well. Um, I ended up like they had like a first team keeper that was there for the last couple of years, and then I ended up just basically walking into the spot after my first year of playing. Um, and then like, as I got older, like up to under 16 level, um, when I was like under 15s, I was training with the first team at the school. I wasn't the ones keeper, but I was like 
on the, but basically there for, for someone playing like three or four years up. Um, and then I ended up transferring schools. Um, I, oh, and at, at this time for like under 16 level, it, what, they, they didn't call it England. They called it NAGS and it's called like national age group squads. Um, I basically got into the squad, the England squad, um, but I didn't play. The, the, they, they were free keepers and I was one of the keepers who like got into like the training squads or, or whatever. Um, I didn't play uh, basically the same up to, to under 18s. Um, and then what happens is you go to under 21s. Now that's like a massive, that's a massive step up. Um, and that's now where you start actually properly representing your country. I mean, you do, they, it's kind of the systems changed now from when I was that age to, to literally what it is now. Um, but for under 21s, I had my trials whilst I was at Loughborough Uni and that's when I tore my ACL and that was probably my best chance to, um, that was when I was at my kind of peak of my performance for that age. I think that would have been a very good chance that I would have probably have been either first or second choice at that kind of time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, but maybe not first, but like I had a very good run at it. Um, tore my ACL, missed my chance to have the trials um, because then I got too old because it, you're out for like a year and a half. Um, and then the most recent one that I've had is after the 21s, there's kind of a gap because then it just goes into the full senior stuff. Like, and, and you don't necessarily represent England anymore. You now represent Great Britain. So the step up is even more because you're competing with the Scotland keepers, Wales keepers, all of them. Um, I had trials for the, they call it the EDP, which is, or the... Um, which is the Great Britain, sorry, GDP or whatever, I can't remember. It's called the Great Britain Development Program. And that's basically the one tier underneath the full GB squad. And they use it for that kind of bridge between the ones who are like 22 to 25. There's a couple of older ones. There's a few 27-year-olds who get dropped from the, from the main squad. And it's basically a platform to then like push you into the full GB side. The one there, and then it's there to cater you for Olympics. The highest level that I have got is I had trials to get into that. I had the trials and I didn't get in, but that's by far the highest, like to, to be even get, given a shot to be like, there's only a couple keepers who basically get that kind of opportunity. It's not like when you're younger and you know, you're competing with, you know, everyone else of, of your school age, you know, getting into the free keepers and, and that it's good. Don't get me wrong. Obviously it's good, but it's nothing like being, having a trial for the, for the full GB basic or just the, yeah, yeah. the reserve GB men. So that's the highest that I got. I didn't get in, which is obviously gutting. Um, that kind of dream of playing for like Great Britain in England, like I've kind of moved on from it. It is what it is. Um, and now the hockey club that I am at, I'm I'm the reserve goalkeeper for the um, Great Britain number one, George Pinner for the full senior squad. So I, I, I'm the bench basically person for him. Uh, but with everything that's happened with COVID, um, obviously the Premier League, we haven't played since October. Um, so I, I'm I'm part of the Premier I'm part of the Premier League squad at the moment. What will probably actually end up happening is now I've moved back down to Brighton. Is next season I might have to drop a division and, and play for Brighton first team in like the Championship. But I'd imagine I'll probably walk into that side compared to being on the bench for the. Yeah, yeah. Premier I was going to ask about that if you were going to keep on playing kind of thing post COVID and stuff. Because do you think even if your trading sort of career would continue to keep on progressing to different heights and stuff? I, I need hockey. to have I need to have hockey to 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 separate my day. I mean, my days, 
like it's hilarious because when I was at uni, I, I I didn't do any of that type of work. Now, but but now, all I do is literally work. Like I, the only time that I watch TV is if Brighton Football Club are playing on the TV, and I'll, I'll stick it. No, but it, yeah. uh, but, but but my life is like with COVID as well. My life is just literally staring at a computer screen. You know, I need to ha- go to the gym. I need to do some hockey to be able to break up my day because otherwise it's just not mentally not mentally good for me. Um, yeah. Obviously, that is going to, the, the work is going to have to take over the, from the hockey because um, in terms of like priorities, because with hockey, I just get all my expenses paid for. I don't, I don't I'm not on a salary per se. It's not like football where you're making fat. The, the only time you get money is if you are in that full Great Britain squad. And, you know, then you're getting maybe 25 to 30 grand a year, plus some sponsors. You, may, you might be living on around 35, 40 if you're the best 50, you know, but that's like a very select few and falling just underneath that category, essentially, of what I've had. They just pay for everything. So, like, yes, it's nice that I don't have to pay for training. If, we, if we're playing away, I, I, I get all my reservation, my hotels paid for and all of that kind of stuff. Um but it's not something that you can make a living off of. So, you know, it, it, trading's always going to have to, it, it's going to have to take priority over something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, how have you been during lockdown then? Because you talked about in terms of your routine, splitting up your day with the gym being a big part of it, hockey being a big part of it. Mm. How have you been in terms of switching off with, from from your work? See, that's, that's kind of what sucks because I what was really nice was I could go to the gym you know, and that's like the perfect way to split up your day for like two, two, two and a half hours or so and like have a really good session, come back, have a shower, kind of switch off. Whereas now with that, it's much harder because like you, you might do a hit session, but you're not going to do a two hour hit session. You know, I'll be on the floor. Um, so now that the lockdowns happened, uh, it's, it's, it has been harder um i've i've kind of trained myself to get used to to the hours that i work as i kind of said to you today it was kind of nice coming on the podcast because this is a breakup from you know what yeah what i've what i've had so um yeah it, it kind of it, it is what it is i've kind of trained myself to get used to you know working over 60 hour weeks by now and just like you kind of get yourself used to it but it, it was it's because of the youtube that that's what it is because i'm basically running two jobs you know if i wasn't doing the youtube it would be a lot easier but at the same time i enjoy it it's a good way to kind of split up my day once again yes i'm still working um but it's a good break from staring at a chart or you know having to read news or like trying to work out like trying to think mm-hmm. because my brain's always working with like trading's like as i kind of met it's like problem solving you know trying to work out right this company is is how they doing you know you, you're you're solving a problem and thinking oh, is that company going to solve that problem and in turn are people going to invest in it and put their money there mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a, a constant psychological game whereas when you're making the videos it's it's not like that it's so it is a good way to switch up your kind of mind um mm-hmm. But it is long. Video editing is very long, as I'm sure you probably have started realizing. Yeah, really yeah we'll, touch, we'll touch on that about the YouTube in terms of like how many hours you have to put in for a certain video. Like I know you even done like a 24 hour, <laughs> 24 hour like challenge just for the videos, like 24 hour trading challenge, and then you've also put the time in to edit it. Like oh, yeah. how disheartening is it, and how frustrating it is when that video gets like 
don't know, like a good few hundred views less than you intended or a thousand, because some of your videos have actually done well. I which... was posting for mm. months and I was getting free views a video. And I mean, I was putting my heart and soul, the videos were terrible, but I mean, I was still putting my, because I, I was, you improve with anything over time. Yeah. Um, but I was putting so much effort into it. Um, oh my God. I was spending so many hours and it was soul destroying, soul destroying to have about five people watch your video. And that process went on for about six months. Um, and it was hard. And then I got a spike and I was like, this is my breakthrough moment. This is it. Finally had a video that did 20,000 views. Like my videos were starting going up and it was like that for about a month. And then it just came straight back down. And instead of having five views, I might have 20 views, yeah. you know? And, and, and then that went on for another four months and it was hard to get through. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, it, it sucked. Yeah. yeah, there's not there's nothing worse than you literally know how like you, you think that you compare yourself to like other people in the same thing. Obviously me, the fitness industry, you for probably in the training industry, you compare yourself like my video is probably at least yes, just as good literally. or better than yes. that one. Yet I'm getting a hundred views on a video and they're getting a hundred thousand views on a video sort of thing, and you're like, it's literally just about like getting your face out there. Like on, on the Instagram, I've been doing a few of the IGTV videos because in the in the fitness industry. That is some of the things I've noticed is the likes of like James Smith and Darren Cartel who are doing like IGT. I don't know if you've heard of them before, but IGTV videos, like either like talking about fitness stuff or like bashing like like you do if you TikToks, like bashing these um these traders who are trying like trade train traders sort of thing. Yeah. Stand up, mate, stretch your legs off. That's the thing. I sit sit in this chair and it is so fucking shit because it's not my regular office chair. Um and my, it just, it like gives me dead legs after a while and it just absolutely sucks. Yeah. So, oh, see, yeah. I've seen in a few videos you're complaining about the chair, you're sitting up, standing down, <laughs> there. It's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I was saying about like the videos, like I was literally having to share this post with like as many people as I can. And like, luckily, obviously I've got some mates who have got some decent amount of followings and I like, just them sharing it. I only got like 5,000 views and I was literally sharing it with people who have got like, like one of the person I shared it to who's got a million followers. And I, like, I shared it to them. I got like 5K views for it. Even 5K views, that's great. But in the grand scheme of things, that's like nothing compared to some people. It's so disheartening. But like for yourself, you've had a, a bit of a big breakthrough on the TikTok, like I just mentioned. Yeah, before, in terms of, like, yeah the algorithm that the, uh, I would recommend for you as well. Uh, the algorithm is so much better on TikTok versus YouTube to gain people to view your content. Uh, like it is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm, I'm but I basically made one, I, this is where the whole fake guru thing started coming out. I, I was I was making these videos, you know, my goal with, with YouTube was to be able to monetize myself in different ways, you know, give some information out there, have some fun. Um, but what I kind of came to learn to realize was 90, I'd probably even say 99% to 95% of, of people who are in the finance niche, they have some sort of course or some sort of paid group and they're using the platform as a marketing tool, even though if they might not directly say it, to try and funnel you into that that product. And that's the kind of important thing of what, what they're doing. And there were so many of them on TikTok and my mate suggested to go over there and said the algorithm was better and it was. And I just kept seeing these people and they're making the, they're, they're, one, they're just liars because like I, I've been in the industry well long enough to, to understand how, how it kind of works and what they're saying. And I can make a pretty good guesstimate 
on if they're actually if they actually would make money or not. And as soon as that you see a 19 year old come out and go, I'm a forex trader and I'm making I'm making this. I've been able to turn a hundred pound into a hundred thousand in a couple of weeks or a grand into a hundred thousand. Well, you need to step back and realize what this person's saying. One, one, they're 19. Okay. So they, there's, they've only been around the finance niche for a year. Okay. Two, they're trading Forex, which is notoriously known for being the single hardest market to trade because that's the way you are coming against the quant hedge funds, especially the time frame that they're trading because they trade very short time frames because they don't understand. And they go like, oh, like this is day trading. That's the funny thing. Day trading hasn't been a thing for traders for the last 15 years. The only people who are day traders are the quant hedge funds who are running the algorithms to be able to beat the, to front run the order books and do this type of thing. Whereas with me, I'm not doing that. So I'm not, that's not my competition. Whereas with, with these people who are trading the Forex markets, you know, they're trading less than the hourly time frame, and saying, this is a sport, this is the resistance. Well, one, you're not, you're 19, you're competing against quite possibly, you're competing in the hardest market and against the by far hardest competitors. And what gets me is they say that they've made, they have a grand and they've made it into a hundred grand. Okay, well, so you've made 10,000% on that return. If we take a look at the greatest investors, the greatest traders of all time, people like Warren Buffett, George Soros, Paul Tudor Jones, who manage multi-billion hedge funds, they might make 20 to 25% in a year and call that an exceptional year. Now, I've been able to do better than that because I bet placed big bets on Bitcoin and I got lucky. You know, it, it, it kind of is what it is, but you need to understand that's kind of that correlated version of risk you know and then when you see someone who comes in a 19 year old who said that they've made a thousand percent return on trading forex well it's not like bitcoin where you can kind of just get lucky and it rises and you've made you know 400 percent in a year and that's not even knitted and not even as close as to what they've basically said that they've made you're actually physically having to trade to get to that kind of stage you're constantly having to winning and then they plug their course saying, if you come join my trade, you, you can do this as well. If you have a winning strategy, especially if it can net you thousand, like a hundred times more than the best traders in the world. One, you wouldn't give that strategy out to the public because you would set it up as your own private equity fund, have venture capital invest in it. And then you would do it that way. Two, you would be basically richer than Bezos because of um, compounding, because if you're making a hundred thousand X return every year, even with a grand, you know, then what's a 10,000% return on a hundred grand, like a billion more, maybe, you know, it's it, like, it gets ridiculous. So like after two to three years, you're already basically richer than the richest person in the world. You're not going to sell a course, you know, mm -hmm. you're not get. Yeah, and this is my problem with it. You know, if you have a proven strategy to beat the market, you set it up for your own private equity fund, you go through the fund and, you know, you trade the capital through the fund. You wouldn't put it open to the public. And even if you did, because then too many people start adopting that strategy, you're no longer that like it's, you know, everything's the markets are a massive game. If you have a winning strategy, it could be knocked out. If people understand that strategy, you know, they can play around it. It's never like a proven thing. Mm -hmm. So if people know that strategy, they can then make a strategy to beat that strategy, you know? So if it was that good, you're not going to open it for the public for that, that exact reason. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah so I was saying, what, where, where do you think, the, what, what are these kids doing who are doing these fake trading guru things? Do you think they're just literally just renting cars and just sticking it on Instagram and taking money from people? Oh, 100%.
But, but, but that's, that's that's all it is. They're, they're, they're living a false lie that, you know, they, and, and the thing is, you know, like I'm a trader and I've kind of explained of my daily routine, you know, I don't go out and like flash, like, you, you know, I, I think they spend more time on holiday than they do on their charts on the, on the screen, you know? And mm -hmm. if these people are as good as they kind of say they are, that what they're doing is they're selling a dream that, they, people have an ideology of what a trader is like and how, you know, and they prey on this, this, you know, insecurities of people thinking, you know, I can have this great life where I don't have to go to work. That's a lie. You have to work like you, nothing's just handed to you in this, you know, and, and they sell this dream of like, you know, I get to go on holiday. You know, I, I, I only do a couple of hours work at my screen each week. You know, it's, it's really, really easy. It's not easy. It's really fucking hard. And if you want to succeed, it's slow. It's not actually that it's not that quick. You know, you either have to kind of get lucky, understand those risks um it, it's not it's not as black and white as they kind of make it out to be and then when as i say they have these courses you know if they have a course it's just the biggest red flag ever because you're just not gonna you're not necessarily gonna sell your your um you're not gonna sell your secrets because if they if they really make you that much money for, for that fundamental reason, like you, if it was as easy as buying a $500 course, every single person would do it. And that's what frustrates me because not everyone in the market is clearly a winner. Yeah, everybody wants like with anything in life, we, we get it in terms of like the online coaching, in terms of personal training. Everyone wants like a red pill, just a mon like money instantly, dream body instantly, but they don't realize the work that you're putting out. You can see obviously you're working long, long hours to try and make money. People just want this magic course or this magic, like in terms of the magic diet plan, magic training plan to to actually get the, the dream goal. It takes years and years and years of consistency and putting the hard work in. Like nothing nothing comes easy. And even if these gurus and stuff, maybe they have had success in the past. Maybe there might be one or two out there who have had success. Like we have it in terms of the online coaching. There's these like online coach, coach the coaches who pretty much try and help us grow our own business. Like, yes, there'll be one or two who actually have implemented good kind of tricks and stuff and built the business the right way. But it's probably took them years and years and years of mistakes and stuff. And like in terms of trading, like big losses of money and then they've had good times and stuff like that. So yeah, if anybody does get messaged by any of these sort of scammers or anything like that, <sighs> do what Luke does and make TikToks about them because it's quite, it's quite entertaining to be fair. But I yeah, just... absolutely love ripping into them. I love getting under yeah. their skin and just proving them wrong, wrong and them getting their feathers kind of roughed up by it is... Yeah. yeah. Do you get much backlash from it? Have you had? Any I get so of... much backlash from it. I get so much backlash from it. From it. and it's two types of backlash that you get. You get the person who follows that guru, and because because they see them flaunt money, and a lot of people aren't educated. They don't understand how financial markets work. Like I can appreciate this. They get defensive because they don't want to be. They don't want to say that they're a sucker that they've paid this for this course it's re it's really really good and you know i i've, I've made a re i've made a review on one of these courses as well 500 dollars, and he's basically plagiarized it against a completely free website and i kind of proved that in the video not sure if you see that one and this guy has 250,000 subscribers on youtube and i have like three four k you know i'm a nobody my view should be nothing this guy got so roughed up by what i had to say because obviously i've I've completely proved him wrong. Like I just proved him wrong. He got his whole community to basically come and, and attack the video and attack me just because he didn't like what I had to say. And like, that's you, you get the two types of people like you have the, you have the people who, um, who support that guru. And then if I call out that guru for whatever reason, 
they like they're, they're like he's not a fraud how could he be a fraud he, and they, they always come out with the he has 20 grand he, he has this i was like where do you think he's got that 20 grand from he hasn't got it from from trading the markets or, or from wherever he said he's got it from people like you who give it to him and then he uses that money to then flaunt it to you you know if you're a successful trader you don't like just go and openly just show like you're like th these type of things it's all a marketing tool to be able to play with your psychology and, and and suck you in. So you have those people who then defend the guru and then you have the, and then you have sometimes the guru takes it, takes it bad. I've received threats from people um, like, but yeah, like saying like, we're, we're going to do, do this. You know, you just have to kind of dish it back to them a little bit as well. Um, like it, it kind of is what it is. I don't, it's not something that I've, I, you know, I, I, what I find it is you have more stupid people out there than you could like I than I've ever like realized and they're mostly American not to sound bad but they, they <laughs> normally are and um they get so defensive and it's like arguing with a brick wall they even though you have laid out the clear facts to them and you speak fight you literally speak facts like you'll show them the statistics in front of them of why this person is a fraud they don't want to believe it and they won't believe mm. it and they will come out with whatever excuse it or, of what it is. And sometimes it's completely irrelevant. Like it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. Like if the part, like one of the gentlemen that I called out was black, you're racist. You're this. That's why you're doing, you don't want to see a black man succeed. Like, no, it's absolutely nothing to do with that. You know, you're trying to, and these people are pathetic anyway, because you're, you're, you're using that as like a front running excuse to try and like, you know, of something that's completely irrelevant. So I have to deal with quite a lot of those people. What I've now ended up doing is kind of just switching off the comments and just like, it is what it is. Like the majority, the majority of the people obviously on my side, because the majority of people know that I'm not, that, yeah. well, you know, you know, I'm not chatting shit uh -huh. with it. Um, but when you rough up the, well, rough up the gurus, you either get threats from them um, or you get, or you get like the backlash from their kind of community because they don't want to be, taken for these kind of suckers which which is fine like at the end of the day I, if you want to believe them i'm fine i'm just showing my opinion i'm not personally like you know like for you but they like to make it personal and try and like attack you for it because really they're gets, obviously, yeah 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 because yeah. in terms of growing youtube these days obviously the, the market is very saturated i know what it's like in terms of the fitness industry for youtube it's ridiculous it's probably the same in terms of your industry as well do you think videos like that in terms of calling out the the I don't know the ones who have got the following stuff like that they're something that you've maybe planned and maybe thought about or maybe where did the idea kind of come from for the them sort of oh, videos see, to try and grow your YouTube? So that it happened on TikTok and one of the, the main guys on the TikTok platform had like four hundred thousand followers, five hundred thousand followers, and he was saying that you could day trade options with a hundred hundred dollars and turn it into a million in a year, and it was quote very doable, and I literally re reading that. I like listening to that. I was like, this is the biggest load of bollocks I ever heard in my life. Like, as I said, the best traders out there might make 20, you know, in these hedge funds and stuff might make 20 to 25%. Some make more, they can play high risk, but they're not making a hundred dollars into a million. Like that is just absolute bullshit. Oh, look, he sells a course, you know, and I, I basically a switch went off and I was just like, fuck this guy. And like, I'm pissed off. Like I'm just fed up with these people. 
And um, I just basically just called him a dickhead on, on TikTok, just like just let my emotions go. I just basically called him a dickhead, um, said like why this isn't possible. And the video got over half a million views. And um, like after, like since then, like I was like, fuck, this is quite big. And then there was these second ones. And this is where I got my first threat. These two bellends called the Alert Nation on um, on TikTok. They're like absolute bellends. Like they just look like the biggest fucking twats ever. I mean, I call him a douchebag in the fit in the video, and then flash a douche up on the screen as well. Um, and um, yeah. that that again got over half a million views. And then I kind of realized like it's kind of a bit of a niche in here, you know, just basically calling out. It, it does have its backlash because no one wants to receive threats, you know, like it, it, it's, it's not, it's not nice. I, mm-hmm. I take it on the chin. It's not nice, um, but not enough people do it. And then I kind of made that video on YouTube as well, where necessarily instead of just calling them out, I actually joined one of the groups, copied every single trade they made for over a month into a simulator and it lost a significant amount of money. And these people basically, and and when, whenever there was a losing trade, they would go quiet. And if they made a winning trade, they'd scream and shout about it. And I basically just made a video documenting the experience and then calling them twats along the way. Again, it, okay. it kind of it kind of does well. Um, so now I I don't want to make it like I don't want to be known for that guy who just basically shits on people. Like it's not, I, I mean, it is fun in ways. Mm. But, but I don't want to do, I, I, if I keep doing, it, I'm just going to keep drawing a bigger and bigger target on the back of my head, which I don't necessarily, yeah. don't necessarily yeah. want, but it's kind of the yeah. way that things are, are swinging at the moment. I am helping out people. Um, but that's kind of how it came about. Um, I think there was just not enough people out there doing it. I don't, the thing is, because 98% of the people who are on this platform, you know, if you think about it just logistically, if you, I know it's, critical because I do this and I make content on YouTube or, or, or whatever, but I generally do that's because I like making stupid comedy sketch videos and stupid challenges yeah. and just having fun with it. But where these people, you know, if they're trying to teach people like how to make money and, you know, promising these type of things, sit back a minute and you go like, if they were really making these cut this kind of money, why are they making these kind of videos? You know, mm-hmm. they wouldn't do it. You know, it just, it just wouldn't be a thing. So, um, Whereas, so I think that's why there was a market for it because there was no one else really out there doing it because so many of these people, as I said, have these products that they, they, they're not going to call out other people if they have a paid group, you know? So, um, and, and, and also like, I don't need to make a paid group because, you know, I've I've made money. Like I, I don't need to. I don't need to monetize my content that way. I can get it out of AdSense. I can get it out of affiliate stuff. You know, if they sign up to my brokerage or whatever, I get a kickback for that. And I'm not scamming anyone. You know, I'm just getting reimbursed. you know, for, for some of the work. There's different ways that you could go about things, but they, they'd love to go for this kind of strategy. And I kind of like just debunking it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. So where do you see, because I listened to obviously a few of your videos and one of the videos you said by the end of the year, you want 100K subscribers on YouTube. Where do you see your content and your YouTube and TikTok and stuff like moving forward and progressing? Where do you, where do you want it to go? Uh, well, I've, 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 today I've been speaking to video editors to sign someone on full time because it's just, I need, I need something to, well, one, I want to level up the content if I hire a professional 
video editor one that's gonna you know make the content better hopefully and two it's gonna mm -hmm. take off the workload so it can just help me focus on the stuff that's actually important you know scripting the videos actually making sure that it's good content and not have to worry about that kind of side of things um I can't, sorry, I, I missed your question. Where, where do I see it going? Yeah, in terms of where do you want it to go, like in terms of your content, what do you, I, I what do want, you want to be known for on YouTube in a sense? I, w I want to be known as the, um, I, I want, my, my videos are about making vi videos on the hustle. I, I want to be the basically the top person in that kind of area where you have entertaining videos, but still are informative on the finance niche of different ways that I approach the markets you know, and if I actually make money doing those various different ventures and it doesn't have to be trading, I've done one on match betting. Um, I, I've got an idea coming up where um, I basically start out with a toy car and um, I trade it with people. So I'm going to try and meet up with my followers. And if they want to trade it for like, I, I, I don't know, something like a Xbox remote, say, and you keep flipping it until you get something better. So I saw this video where someone started out with a paperclip, they traded it for a pen traded it for a book, traded it for whatever. And they basically kept leveling it up ever so slightly until they got to the point of a house. I'm trying to think of maybe doing a series where I start out of the toy car, maybe get to a real car, you know, and trying to do like things like that where you're having fun, showing people legitimate ways that you can approach different various ventures and be able to, you know, hopefully make some money out of it. And at the same time, you know, doing some good work in that, you know, exposing the bad actors and maybe necessarily why they're kind of bad actors. That's the vision that I have for my channel. I don't think there's anyone like necessarily kind of in that niche as well, which is kind of good. The top people out there, people like Graham Stephan, who I don't know if he's American. I, I really rate, he, he's good content. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't sell a pipe dream. The ones who sell pipe dreams, they're the ones that, get under my skin you know he says you need to invest in like s p 500 index funds i'm in property not promising a dream where you're going to make 50 percent a year from whatever bullshit it is that they're kind of feeding you those guys are good i want to basically take that concept but you know actually show me doing it yeah no i like that i like that do you think you'll do trading kind of for like the rest of your life do you think you just keep it going uh yes um maybe not as necessarily intensely as I, as I do at the moment. Um, I think as I get older and my net worth grows, what I will be doing is I'll be, it's like why I'm making YouTube. I'm doing that to diversify my income stream and be able to earn myself money from different areas. And that's kind of the whole goal. By the time I'm 30, you know, I want six or seven different income streams coming in. If that's, I rent a property out to people, that's one. I have my YouTube, that's two. I have AdSense coming in, that's three. I have sponsorship deals, you know, that that's four. Um, I have trading, I have dividend investments, you know, like that's the whole goal is to have, have a playing field where I'm not relying on, and, and this is where too many people make the mistake in life. They they um, they stick to one thing and they don't try and money, they, they stick to their nine to five. And I'm not saying nine to fives are bad. I, I think nine to fives are very good, but what they don't do is they don't save some money and stick that into a venture to be able to earn themselves more money. And I mean, like, mm -hmm. it's making that opportunity cost. Like, it isn't that much to kickstart YouTube. I mean, like, I'd spend 600 quid on a camera. Like, I know that could be a lot for some people, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be a good camera. You know, mm -hmm. you can easily you could easily get a grand loan from somewhere. You know, there'll be somewhere with not too high interest on it necessarily. 
And that's a really good backbone to get you started. I'm not saying YouTube's necessarily the thing. Uh, for, for whatever for whatever it is you want to do. And that's why I'm doing the YouTube. That's what I, I want to get it to the point that it's not earning me 10 to 15 pound a day. I want it to be, you know, a few hundred pound a day, maybe even more like so, some of the top people in my niche are getting five, six grand a day. I'm not saying it's going to be that big, but getting it, as, getting it to the point where it would easily be enough to just live off that one income stream and not have to rely on the rest if the other ones go down. And even if the, you know, and even if one goes down, then I've got four other ones over here that I can still, you know, feedback on. Um, right now I've only mostly got the trading. The YouTube is, is growing, but I'm still young. You know, this is the whole goal. Try and keep, mm -hmm. get, get, not have to earn money, like not have to work a nine to five, earn money from so many different ways that you're earning money while you're sleeping. So that way you could literally retire by the age of 35 and you have so many different sources of income coming in from so many different passive ways because you've done that work early that you're just set for basically life. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm big. I'm big on that. Like having different streams of income and stuff. That's why I'm pursuing like online stuff. I might end up looking into trading. There's always different things. And I think people do get stuck in that nine to five and think, right, I need, I need to progress in my job and get as high as I can. And that might only be. There's only a limit to that. Like you said, it might only be like fifty grand a year. Like some people that might you might be satisfied with that level. Great. If you're happy doing living on off whatever you're on. But if you want to kind of excel in that, look at different markets and look at different things that you can invest in, whether it's like a YouTube channel. Like you said, a man should just get a camera. I've just I'm still videoing on my my iPhone, was it iPhone nine or ten? Yeah, whatever and that, it is. and that, that's still they, these are these are good. You know, you don't Very need good. to invest that. You don't the main thing is lighting and that isn't even that much. I mean I've got a, a pretty nice light in front of me now, which might have cost me like a hundred quid or whatever. But he's still in the grand scheme of things, it's not that yeah. big like it's it takes time to build up as well like i was in terms of my podcast i was started it with my my headphones and like a hp i don't know what i had it, it literally 300 quid for about 10 years old now like over the time and stuff i've, I've earned money from my over from my personal training stuff and i've got a macbook pro i've managed to get the half decent mic yeah. I've got like in terms of lighting, you can see where I'm in at the minute. I'm in my mom. I'm still living with my parents in my mom's dressing room. I've got her nice little yeah. lights on here, so the lighting's still decent. Like you can make do with stuff. It's just starting stuff. Mate, that was the same as me. Progress. I was on a webcam in my parents. Um, in my parents. Um, like uh, my my dad has like a kind of little office. I mean, it's not an office, but I, I set up in that kind of room, you know. And like that's how how everyone kind of starts out, you know. I didn't have yeah. that good. A, I had a kind of an on camera or. I, I don't think this was one of my first bigger investments. I mean, again, this was like a hundred quid. Um, but yeah, it, like, it doesn't take that much. The, the hardest thing to overcome is to have to keep repeatedly doing it until you get to the point where you can then reinvest back in. That's the hardest bit because a lot of people, as you mentioned, they, they don't like to not see results. And I've put thousands of hours into my YouTube channel and to not see any results, you know, you, you've put so much work into it. You can't just quit, you know, like that, it goes exponential. Like now I'm seeing results. Now I'm seeing 30, 40 subscribers a day. Three months ago, I was earning less than a pound a day from YouTube. Now I'm earning 10 to 15 pound, you know, do the math, you know, what's that next level up a hundred to 150 pound in the next three months. I'm basically looking at the trajectory that I'm going that 150 pound a day is, is good money. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not bad. And then after that, you're on four, five hundred pound a day. And that that isn't that unreasonable, you know? It's just like being able to get from that starting point and it's that exponential growth. And it's the, it's the same with anything, you know? I, I, was, I wasn't investing that much money at the time, but it compounds over time and then you split it up and then you have more coming in. 
it just yeah it just it grows it's just a process it's just people don't stick along like in long enough i listened to a podcast the other day it was actually based on training it's a guy um oh uh, he was lewis morgan he was one of the original owners of gymshark like the original finals he did a podcast with max tune talking about like youtube specifically in terms of fitness like Max Tuning, he's got, I think he's got a quarter of it, three quarters of a million or a quarter of a million followers, whatever it is. He was saying he, there's so many people that he's like been friends with and like some of his friends who have had YouTube, got a few like, thousand followers and stuff, then just give up because they've kind of just, there might have been a few months where they weren't getting any followers or like views were literally staying the same. And then Max was saying like literally just like, it's especially in the YouTube game now, it's just about like staying consistent, keep on trying to slowly progress and things will happen. Like you might get like one or two people who do like, get one video that gets like 2 million views and then they get loads of subscribers and stuff yeah. out of nowhere. Like, and it's so annoying because I've that seen lovely. that with people in my niche as well. And you're like, you know, they're the finance niche and you know they're not making that great content. You know what they're saying isn't that great, but they have one video that's pops and then suddenly, you know, they've got, they've, then they shoot to over 20K followers and to go from 20K to 50K followers is, is you know, it's a lot e- easier than going from somewhere like, 2k to 5k because your content's mm. not getting recommended to as nearly as many people and it's just that yeah. cascade effect and the, the amount of times i've seen someone who's been on the same amount of followers kind of as me maybe slightly more and now they're on like 90 95 to 100 and i'm like you know mm. it's just that one it's that one super video that gets you over half a million views like i had on tiktok i got i got 27,000 followers on Twi- tiktok in the space of three months because I had two videos that, you know, like popped off. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all, the, all, just, all that. Just yeah. Trying different things, isn't it? Trying different things. And one thing will kick off. Like just keep, stay consistent with stuff. And then one thing will hopefully kick. That's what I'm hoping in terms of like my YouTube stuff. Like I've got, I think two videos that I've got like a few, like a one K or something like that. So I'm miles off it still, but I know I'm going to keep sticking at it and stuff. And there will be something that kind of explodes. Um, but it's just being patient and like sticking at it. Like, how long you had your YouTube for now? year and a half year year and nine months yeah how long did yeah, it take until it half. probably started like oh yeah I, I mean i would i say it's now kicking off i so like yeah yeah I'd, I'd say it's now started to i'd say a year probably a year and a half yeah. i was i was so it's, 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 i heard you sigh like it's a long time it really is. It's it's a really long time. It doesn't just you know. Some people get lucky. Some people hit the algorithms and they, you know, and it and it. It really is. It, it, it is a bit of a lottery. I don't know how the algorithm works. I think it's a bit of luck a lot of times of of actually hitting it, um, mm. because I've had videos that have been shit and they've and they've taken off. Like my my latest video, I know for a fact that's the best edit I've ever done, and it's got six to seven hundred. Uh, six to seven hundred views on it whereas one that's not even that good has over ten thousand and i'm like yeah it's just it just is what it sometimes is sometimes it's just like the title and the thumbnail that gets it isn't it yeah sometimes like well I've, and that like video that what that really good edit you know they go oh audience retention's really high i have 700 views on that video with nearly a 70 percent audience retention like it's high higher than mm-hmm. any other video and it still hasn't taken off like the, and it's not to say it won't be picked up by the algorithm in a couple of months but that's kind of the thing like it's just yeah just keep going and just it's like tough, keep plugging yeah. yeah mate it is tough it is a grind like i i i'm so underestimated it because i saw these videos being posted on youtube and i was like this guy's shit like, he doesn't really know what he's talking about he's getting two hundred thousand views for this shit and i was kind of like this is easy like 
No. <laughs> yeah. It, it you isn't. think it's just like, initially it's like right? I'm gonna do a video that's like that. It's about it's about the video. It's not like that. You originally think like right, one great video and then I'm in. It's not like that at all. It's like it takes hundreds sometimes to kind of get there, and then that one video will take off. But now it's a it's a tough one. Well, I want to finish off with a little few questions. I know you. I've got the three questions that I've already put down. I don't know if you briefly looked at them right at the end on the on the notes, but I wanted I to talk about in terms of like because I'm big on preaching mental health and stuff. How have you? Obviously, we talked about lockdown with your your routine and stuff like that. Do you think you'll ever ever get to a point where you are satisfied in terms of like financially, in terms of money? Are you? Because I know obviously when when everybody's got that addictive personality, they get to a certain point. They might set a goal of like making I don't know hundred k a year, whatever it is. You might get to that point, and then you might be like, right, I want to go beyond it. Whereas initially, you'd be like, well, you know what, I'll be happy at that point. Do you think it's just going to be a continuous thing, or do you think you're going to be like, right, Luke, mate, you nah. need to settle down? No, I I. I, I enjoy I enjoy what I do like as much as I might bitch and complain about I I worked too much like so sometimes like I might bitch and complain about it, but I do enjoy it like as I said it is a game and I don't see that necessarily coming out of me I I I I enjoy trying to make money trying to find new ways to make money what would be nice is to I get to the point that I don't have to necessarily rely on work because I've built up so many different passive income streams that I could just sit back. And if I want to go on holiday, I can go on holiday, you know, and it's not, it's not, it's not work. If I want to shoot a video while I'm out on holiday, I shoot a video while I'm out on holiday, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, it, I, I think what I'm more addicted to is I think what a lot of people aren't necessarily addicted to the money is the freedom that they can get the money that brings until the point that you can kind of get to the point where it's not necessarily about the money. It's about, you know, you can live the life that you want to kind of live. That's, that's kind of the end goal. I would, I would say, say for this, you know, not have to, not to have to worry about a trade, not to have to worry about, you know, the YouTube, not hitting those, you know, if I want to make a video, I make a video. If it doesn't, I can just mm -hmm. do what I want to do. That that's, that's kind of the point that I would, that that's, I think that's the dream. And I think that's kind of the dream for anyone really it isn't about what it isn't about. I want 10 million in the bank. It's what that can basically do for your life. Yeah. 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 No, I like that, mate. Go on, we'll, we'll, we'll finish, wrap up with the three questions that I, I wrote down right at the end. So first one, three people you'd like to invite round for dinner or for a coffee, past or present, can be anybody. I had a think about this last night as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like, oh yeah, what I'd want, I'd want Trump, I'd want Putin, and I'd want Elon Musk as the kind of like a residuator or like the... That'll just be a scrap. Yeah, exactly. It would just be, it just be, it would be a scrap, but like with the perfect guy in the middle to try and like you know authenticate it. Or I can't. Come on, everything down. I like that three. I like that three. Next, uh, next one. People you want to train with, obviously fitness-related podcast. It can be gym-related, football, hockey, anything you want, mate. Three people you want to train See, with. See, I like. Uh, with hockey, I, I would have said, you know, a couple of years ago, like who would I want to train with? You know, the Great Britain number one keeper. But I do that. I've done that every week for the last year and a half now so yeah. um uh, who i i would love to do like a training session with like a celebrity like zach efron or like kevin hart and like get like have that kind of yeah. like that uh, do, do do a gym session like that would that would YouTube be the ultimate that, mate. That uh, yeah and that would be so that would be so much fun to do like a to do a gym session with like a celebrity personality like along those lines that that would be awesome yeah. And then the last one, one thing you'd say to yourself five years ago. 
buy bitcoin earlier <laughs> buy <more> <laughs> bitcoin <laughs> simple <laughs> yeah. simple mate oh i know i think i i think i wish i'd done it a little bit better as well but I, like i said before the podcast i was one of them people who like when it was literally having that spike i bought into it and i didn't have a clue what i was doing lost all the money but not loads of money i only put 100 quid in so it wasn't too bad i'm gonna briefly at the end just for like people who were listening who were just like me don't really know too much about trading but maybe they want to try and get into do you think it's something that you can kind of just like throw some money in and leave it all the yeah, time. Yeah, so I think this is safe. important and I, 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 we haven't really talked about it. You can yeah. succeed in this place. Like it, it isn't like, it isn't like up exhibit. I, I've kind of been able to do it myself, but what you need to do, you need to stop thinking, you need to stop thinking short term. You're not, you need to stop thinking I'm going to switch. Too many people go into the game and they go, I, it's like playing a game of cricket. If you try to hit a six every single ball, you're going to get some people who get to 50 very, very quickly, but 95% of people are going to get out, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you take the approach of trading like that, stop trying to hit home runs every time, you know, stick to what's actually principally the boring stuff and stuff that you don't want to do work, have a set, save some money. If that's a hundred pound, I think everyone could save a hundred pound from their job a month. Like it isn't, you know, stick that into an S and P 500 index fund an ETF. That's something that diversifies your income for you. It's notoriously made about eight, eight and a half percent with the dividends reinvested each year. It's nothing crazy. Don't get me wrong. But if you consistently do that for a long period of time, one, that's going to teach you financial discipline because you're going to understand how markets are working. Two, you're going about it in the right way because you're not dumping your money into something like, I think Bitcoin's an excellent investment, but you're not going balls to the walls of it. You know, this is what I'm saying about those home run, home run kind of thing. If you start out slow, think about actually making correct investment decisions that are boring, but they're going to teach you about the markets. Then once you understand how different assets have different corresponding amounts of risk, you build up knowledge over time, then you could start making more lucrative plays, you know, and, and making those slightly more riskier plays. You can't go for the home runs every time because if you do, you know, just going in with that mentality, you're just going to get, you're going to get screwed over. So for anyone who I would say who wants to get into this phase, if you're not investing already, you need to start investing because, you know, the, the, by the time that you're going to come to retire, even if you're saving 100, 150 pound a month, if you saved 150 pound per month and stuck it into an S&P 500 index fund and did that for 40 years, you would be a millionaire basically by the end of it. It, it would, it will happen. So that teaches you the power of, of saving, constantly investing, you know, and it, hopefully you could be able to beat the market or, or, or something like that over time, but you need to be slow. You need to be consistent and and it will work like it, it it's not it's not it's not a myth that buying an index fund like that doesn't work it, you know it of course it works but it's the process of of investing and saving that's the important thing not getting yourself into debt and not enough people teach that they just see these people flash nice cars or whatever but, it, but that isn't that isn't a real lifestyle that you're actually living the real side to it and how professionals manage their money is you know they make sure they don't get into debt They make sure that they make sound investment decisions that are going to be able to net themselves a return. And it doesn't mean you have to stick it into an S&P 500. You can buy a YouTube camera. You can buy whatever it is. And that's still investing. And you're investing in probably the best asset, which is yourself. And, you know, try and build it up that way and from the ground up instead of, yeah, just doing, just don't don't be stupid with it. That's (laughs) that's not what people want to hear. That's the unfortunate thing. 
Yeah, I know. I think, like I said, people just want that instant kind of whatever it is. And, and there, money, there will be some whatever. people, and I'm not saying there hasn't been people who haven't turned 5K into 100K in the space of three months. There has been mm -hmm. people who have done that. There's a guy on GameStock at the moment or who put in 50 grand, turned it into 50 million because he bought, I like, ridiculous. And and that is real. Yeah. Like, you do have those people who have done that. And it's, but you need to understand that's 0.01 of a percent. You know, like, you can get lucky or you can, you can do the graft. And unfortunately, you're going to have to do the graft if you want to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was spot on, mate. Nice way to end it. Where can people follow you? YouTube, anything else that you want to shout with TikTok? Yeah, uh, YouTube, um, I'm Luke Appleton. It might be, the URL will be youtube.lukeappleton10x. Um, all of my handles are Luke Appleton 10x I think, except for Twitter, which is Luke10x. And yeah, you can basically find me for all of that. Spot on, mate. I'll put all your links and stuff in the show notes for the podcast and on the YouTube and stuff, but been an absolute pleasure mate it absolutely blew my mind with certain things but it's nice to kind of get a little bit of insight into yourself and obviously nice to catch up with you as well spot yeah, on mate. mate yeah so thank you very much if you stayed and listened to the full episode and again thank you to luke for coming on again it's slightly different podcast than usual but hopefully you found it interesting i certainly learned a lot from luke in terms of training because i haven't got a clue of it we had a good catch up afterwards and talked about a lot of things like i said in the podcast all of his links will be in the show notes definitely check out his tiktoks and his youtube videos because one the quality is very very good and then aren't they quite funny so if you want to have a little bit of a laugh definitely have a look at them as always, as I say at the end of each podcast, if you could share the episode on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever it is, and even copy the link and send it over to one friend, just copy it right now, stop what you're doing unless you're driving, don't do it now, wait until you get home, copy the link and then send it over to them just so you can spread the word about the podcast. If one extra person can listen to the podcast each, each episode, that will make me happy. So again, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. This has been Process. Mm -hmm.